Hello there, I'm Pastor John. Thank you for joining us today. There are a lot of ways to engage here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, but we truly do thank you for listening here. If you haven't heard, we're also on Spotify now with the same great content. For more information about our church, you can check us out on the web at abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook. We're live each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And you can find us on Instagram as well. Thanks for being here today. Hey, some of you are here this morning. Someone invited you. They invited you, maybe heckled you. I hope not, but I hope they just invited you. And you showed up in church. Aren't we glad to have some guests and visitors in the room this morning? We're so thrilled that you showed up. Even if the people next to you weren't clapping that hard, they're still glad you're here. So trust me. Hey, I'm Adrian, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and it's so good to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Uh, Jesus is alive, and we believe that. We believe that every Sunday, every day of the week, but man, there's something special about this day. And a lot of us were here really, really early, and some of us, the caffeine has not worn off yet, so get ready. Here we go. Hey, uh, as you came in this morning, there was a card on your seat. I just want to draw your attention to it now. Um, We've been praying and believing that God's presence is really just going to show up here, and he's already here. And this morning in particular, um, some of us will just have an opportunity to respond to that. Now, that's not a pressure thing, but this card is just one way, one opportunity for you, uh, as you maybe hear from the Lord this morning, to respond. And so I want to draw your attention to that, and we'll make a note of it here at the end of the service. I want to uh, introduce you to four people on the screen behind me. They're pretty special to me. Um, Thank you for that. Even if you didn't think they were cute, that's the appropriate response when I put my kids on the screen. They're good. So I, I didn't put Lauren on the screen, and she's very grateful for that. So she, next service, will be applauding that she's not on the screen. Uh, husbands, I've learned something in a few years of marriage. But this is my tribe, and this is who I am, and uh, I've gotten the privilege to be a, a father now to four kids. And I don't just show them that picture because they're cute and awesome and great. Um, I actually show that because a lot of my life has been shaped now by being a father for 12 years. My oldest is 12, my youngest. She just came home last summer, and she's two now. And so I'm living in like the middle school parent years and the toddler parent years. And so I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. But one thing is true uh, that I've learned. I I love children's books. Now, I have to. Because that little one there, like, that's her love language every night, is like, let's read books. And so I do that, and I have read so many children's books now in 12 years that I've memorized. Like, I have books that I can read, and I can, like, not even look and be like, no, you know, I just, I know you're really impressed by that, all 12 words on each page. But (laughs) seriously, when I grew up, I, I was a good student in school, honest, I was, but I just didn't love to read. I didn't. And you know, students in the room, you should read. That's good. I I believe in reading. I just wasn't great at it. And I just, you know, so I was naturally drawn to children's books. There's pictures. There's, you know, a paragraph on each page. I can follow that. That was good with me. And so that love of children's books have never left me. In fact, uh, when Lauren and I, who's currently my wife, when we were dating, we went to college. um... Oh, man. All right, listen, listen, there's, there's a lot of you in the room, but my wife isn't here yet, okay? Now, my daughter's here, but I can pay her off. The rest of you, if you would just, man, all right, well, 
she's my wife. Uh, she's it, man. <laughs> I meant to say when we were dating, but now she's my wife. All right, anyway. When we were dating, uh, our first date, we went into Harvard Square there outside of Boston, and we ended up in a children's bookstore reading children's books. Now, you either think that's really romantic or really lame, but that's who I am, so deal with it. Uh, but children's books, I brought one of them with me today, and again, this is one that I have read for years and years and years, and I could like recite out loud, but it's called I'm Gonna Like Me. I'm Gonna Like Me, and it's a really cool book just teaching kids to like who they are even when they're weird or funny or different. And it's a really beautiful illustration. I'm not going to read it to you now. But we're beginning a series today, and it's called More Than Me. It's, it's about this concept of me and who I am. And this morning, I really want to begin, and I, I told you all that uh, to tell you this, that there's this tension that happens with me. And that's this. That first is that you are a wonder. You are a miracle. The wonder of me. That literally, uh, not just according to this book, but according to this book, God's word says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you were knit together. Like, you didn't just happen. It wasn't just like, poof, and you were there. Like, like God formed you and created you and, and gave you, like, gifts and skills. And some of them are awesome and some of them are weird. Like, some of us are just weird. But that's okay. Like, that's you. Do you know, like, I know nothing about biology. I know like, you think I'm a terrible student because I don't like to read and I don't like biology. But I, I know this, that your body is made up of cells, and those cells are made up of atoms. And do you know right now in your body is seven octillion atoms? Like, that's a seven with 27 zeros after it. That's how many atoms right now in none of us this morning had to get up and say, atoms, do your thing. You know, like, it just happened. Like, your heartbeat is a miracle. Your next breath is a miracle. You are... You're a wonder, and that's beautiful, but there's this other tension. There's this other tension, and it's really the problem of me, the problem of me. Now, I'm not talking about you for a minute. I'll just talk about me, okay? We won't get personal yet, but the problem of me is that there's something in me that's, that's broken. There's something in me that is very, it's my humanness, my frailty. Inside of me, there's something wrestling even empty at times. And so while the wonder of me is beautiful and, and amazing, and I want you to hear that today, there's also a problem with me. Over these next three weeks that we're going to spend together, we're going to talk in this series about how your life is meant to be more than me. That if life is just about me and what I can do and what I can accomplish and what like some of you are really gifted and you're really great, but at some point in your life, that's not going to be enough. It's not. You're going to need something else. And so uh, over these next few weeks, starting today, we're going to journey a little bit deeper into this concept of what it means to be more than me. If you have a, a Bible with you today, a copy of Scripture, if you turn, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we have a, on the Bible app, on version, we have an event set up today. So if you're into that, you can look that up, and we have some notes there and scriptures for you. Uh, I'll also have it on the screen behind me. Uh, but we're going to read now from a guy named Paul. And this guy, Paul, used to be named Saul. And as Saul, he persecuted Christians. He made it his life's goal to oppose the way of Christ. In doing so, one day, while traveling on the road to destroy Christians, to destroy those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God spoke to him in a vision. 
and his life was forever changed. And he became not Saul, but Paul. And we're going to read his words now written to a church in Ephesus many, many years ago. But these words that he's going to speak directly to this problem of me, the problem of me that we have. And so, uh, it's, again, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start reading now, verse 1. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I want to stop and pause there. We'll get to the last two verses in a minute. But Paul is describing for us in detail the problem of me. And the problem with me, again, it's not that you're not awesome, it's not that you're not wonderful, it's not that you're not beautiful and, and gifted, and, but the problem of me is sin. It's sin. Look at what he says at the beginning of the passage. He begins this passage by saying, you were dead in your transgressions and, and sin. The problem is sin. And sin, specifically, in two ways. The acts of sin, these are the sins that we commit, the willful, wrong acts that we commit that breaks our relationship with God, that puts a distance between us and our relationship with God, but also, not just the acts of sin, but the nature of sin. That because in, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, when sin entered the world, there was a brokenness. And now our nature, our nature is broken. There's something broken within us that when we are born, we have this bent towards self. We have this bent towards me, what I want, and this inner sin nature. And Paul is saying the problem is, is that that sin creates death. It's death. That's what it does. It's spiritual death. Spiritual death, we're separated from God. We can't be in a relationship the relationship that we need to be. We believe that one day when this life is over, that you will be eternally separated from God's spiritual death. But more than that, Paul's not just speaking of a death one day, a spirit. He's speaking also of a, a death here and now, shades of death here now in our everyday life. So I want to I want to share with you to illustrate that a little bit more. I want to share with you a little bit of my story. And so I have a mirror here because a mirror really represents me, right? Some of you in here spent more time in front of this today than others. No judgment. I'm just saying I know how that goes. Some of us like we were like, okay, we're good. And others it was like painstaking. You know, you're and you look good. You do. So feel good about that. But this really represents me, right? I mean, we come to the mirror and we're looking at um, how am I doing? How am I looking? Oh, you know, ah, uh, right? I, I get it. But I want to talk to you a little bit about my life and journey and use this mirror to kind of illustrate how this idea of sin, this idea of shades of death, begin even now in our lives. So a little bit about my story. I was raised in a great home with great parents, and I was always a part of church. But something unique about me is I was born with this desire to want to please people which I always thought was a great, I thought everyone should be like me, you know, but I just believed that that was, so whether it was my parents, whether it was my teachers, whether it was friends, I was obsessed with pleasing other people. I was a people pleaser. And so what that, ha as, I, as I got older, and while that's great to have maybe a compliant kid, you know, as I got older, what that did is it created in me uh, this facade where I, I didn't even really know who I was, I just was what everyone else wanted me to be. 
And so uh, over time, that, that seed was birthed and created in me. I'm going to write this word up, up here because this really represents to me this idea of when I would look in the mirror, I would look at myself and I would see fake. <laughs> fake. They don't really know who you are. If they saw who you really were, they wouldn't like you. So what I would do is, whether I realized it or not, whether it was intentional or not, from a young boy, I would just show other people what they wanted to see. And then it created this idea of being fake. Later, I've shared a little bit of this story before with our church here, but again, I had a a great life, a great childhood, and everything in my life was great. I had, you know, my parents weren't separated, you know, they loved each other, and uh, they showed me a lot of love, and I had a great family, but when I was in eighth grade, I remember my mom began to battle with a really severe depression because of some things that happened to her when she was a little girl. And she just began to wrestle with that. And in it, she sunk so deep into depression that she didn't want to live anymore. And so time and time again, I watched my mom struggle for life. I watched uh, really a woman that I didn't know anymore. She didn't feel like my mom. I watched the uncertainty of my family, the risk of us being kind of torn apart or my parents divorcing or all kinds of uncertainty. And at that point in my life, the thing that I felt more than anything was afraid. I mean, I had experienced fear at other places in my life, but that moment in my life taught me more about this idea of fear than ever before, and I was so afraid. I mean, home was no longer a safe place for me. It was a place that I came, and I just wondered what would happen today. Is mom going to be okay tonight? Is my family going to make it? And fear became the thing that I saw when I looked into my mirror. I was was scared to death. Fast forward uh, a few more years to adulthood. Um, I'm blessed to be married to a godly woman who loves me. I'm blessed now with four children. And uh, I get to do ministry here over this past year. God allowed me to become the lead pastor of this church, which blows my mind. It's incredibly cool, a group of people to get to pastor. And in the midst of that, when I come to the mirror, when I look at myself, there's a lie that I often hear a voice that I hear in my ear. In the midst of all the blessings and all the good, I feel the weight of it all. And I feel the weight of, how am I going to be a good husband today? And how, how am I, have four kids? How am I going to do that? And oh man, being a leader in the church, and the gentle whisper that I hear in my ear, it's not the Lord, it's somebody else whispering in my ear, says, Adrian, you're not enough. You can't do this. How are you? What, you think you're going to, you can be a husband and a father, you, you don't, you're not enough. And so time and time again, when I look at the mirror of my life, I'm not talking years ago, I'm talking last week. It's easy for me to hear this voice and to suddenly believe that I am not enough. What about you? What about the mirror of your life as you look at it? What are the lies that sometimes creep in? What are the shades of death that creep in to your life? I asked a few uh, folks in our church the same question, and this is what they said. I am a failure. I'm rejected and unworthy. I am broken. (laughs) Too short. (laughs) I am a fraud. I'm a fraud. You know, some of us would look at these words You may look at the things in my mirror, and look, for some of you in here, your journey has been way more broken and way more painful than mine. But some of us would look at this and say, man, Adrian, that's just life. 
That's life. Sometimes we're afraid, and sometimes we feel fake, and sometimes we feel like we're not enough. Adrian, that's life. What I would suggest to you today, though, is that when these things show themselves, this is not life. This is actually death. Shades of death. That that Jesus said in John 10.10, he said this, I have come to give you life and life to the full. Well, that begs the question, well, well, aren't we all alive? I mean, we all, yeah, we're here, we're breathing. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's not speaking of simply being alive. He's speaking of what fills your life. And so when Jesus came to say, I want to give you life to the full, he's saying, I want to fill your life to overflowing, not with this, not with shades of death. I, I, I was looking and writing down, what are the symptoms what are the symptoms of this kind of a life where we're alive, but our life is filled with, with just shades of death because of sin, because of brokenness in our world? And I came up with three. The first symptom is this constant worry, constant fear, constant anxiety. Well, that was me. That was me. And that's it's not life. That's actually shades of, of death. The next, uh, the next symptom was this idea that we can't be ourselves. We have to hide. If we let people see who we really are, they can't love us for that. And so what do we do? We hide. Well, that was me. What about this? The, the next symptom, this idea that we lack true joy. There might be temporary joy. There might be fleeting joy. There might be some joy. Oh, I had a good day today. But deep inside, you lack true joy. And for me... <laughs> When I have a, a godly marriage, when I have children that are healthy and that I love, when I have ministry that God's called me to, and I have all of that going on and I can't even enjoy it because I feel so insecure, that's lacking joy. I can't even see the things that God's placed in my life. So some of us today, shades of death have creeped in to our everyday life. Will you say, man, Adrian, I, how is it possible then? I mean, isn't this life? Isn't this the world that we live in? Isn't this, how is it possible then to live a life not filled with this? Man, I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to Ephesians. That's where we began, right? Ephesians chapter 2. We read the first three verses and Paul's saying, man, the problem is sin. The problem is that because of sin, we really deserve death. Eternal punishment, but even now, that the payment of sin in our lives is death. It's this stuff. But now he gets to verse 4, and it's the really good part. It starts with the word but. So everything he just said is true, but now he's turning the page. He's saying but, (laughs) but. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, we were dead, we were dead. But even then, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Paul is talking about two really rich ideas at the beginning of verse 4 and at the end of verse 5. He begins with this idea of mercy, that God is rich in mercy. What does that idea of mercy mean? It means that you don't get what you deserve. That because of sin, what do we deserve? I deserve this. I deserve this kind of a life with just shades of death and brokenness and despair. and uh, That's the life that I deserve because of sin. And in fact, I deserve one day to be separated from God because I'm not worthy to be in But God, who is rich in mercy, does not give us what we deserve. 
He does not. And you say, well, what then is grace? Grace is this idea that God gives us what we do not deserve. God, so we deserve punishment. We deserve death, but in his mercy, he does not give us what we deserve. And in his grace, he gives us what we do not deserve. And what is that? That's life. That's life, not just life one day. That's life today. That's life in the middle of brokenness. In the middle of this stuff, we can have hope and we can have real life. I mean, that's grace. It's by grace you're saved. It's not because you're good enough. It's not because you're so good looking. It's not because you showed up to church enough. No, no, no. It is his grace poured out to you. Why? Through the death of Jesus on the cross that he took our place. That was mercy. I deserve the punishment. I deserve the pain. No, no, no. He took on my sin. And what does he give us through his grace? Life. Life. That's available to us today. You may say, man, well, what does that look like in my everyday life? I want to tell you today about Julia. Julia's story is inspiring to me. She found herself battling from a very early age with an addiction to alcohol that led her down a path of destruction. Eventually, in prison, where she found herself for five years and what could have been the lowest point of her life, what could have been the point where death had overtaken her story, it was there while in prison that several godly women were placed in her life. One of them, Pastor Terry Wyant Vargo, who's a pastor at our church that often visits the prison and does ministry there. See, Julia believed in God. She believed in God, but she wasn't following Jesus. And she didn't have the kind of life we were talking about. So through this painful time in her life, her eyes became open. They became open to the unconditional love of Jesus. And even that she was living in her sin, she wanted life. More life. Real life. The life only Jesus could bring. And so she made that decision. She wanted to trust fully in him. And now she says, I have hope and a different future. That's life. <laughs> That's life. Now, if you fast forward a few years, she's actually working with a, a local prison ministry, helping women who have been exactly where she has been. Life for her isn't easy, but now, almost two years after being released, she's found a church family here at HFCN that loves her and cares for her. Julia says this, God is working on me every day, but I can say this, I feel more blessed and more loved than I ever have before. Church, that is real life. <laughs> that is real life. I think Julia's here in the room this morning. Can you stand up if you're here? <laughs> She's right down front here. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's life. That's real life. <laughs> You know what real life says? Real life says my circumstances aren't always easy. Real life. I'm talking about the life that God gives. It doesn't say everything's all, oh, you're trouble-free. No, no, no. But in it, you can have incredible hope. So today, some of us in this room, we want life like that. We want real life. Not pretend, not fake, not everything's good. No, 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 no. But deep in your soul, man, true joy, true peace true purpose. That is more than me. It's more than what I can do on my own. Today, if that's you, I, there's a really simple prayer. And I wrote it down because this is actually helping me. And the first step to that kind of life begins by simply saying to God, I can't do it. Do you understand the power in those four words? I can't do it. 
God, I can't do this on my own. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried to, to live the good life. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to do everything I can, and I can't do it. This is the result of sin and brokenness in my life. I can't do it. But number two says, God, you can. Man, listen to the faith in those two statements, right? Listen, this is Easter Sunday, man. Jesus overcame death. He rose again. So what we're simply saying is, God, I can't do it, but I believe you can. Because no matter what is on my mirror today, you conquered death, and death is harder than that. (laughs) Death is bigger than that. So there's nothing I can write today that you can't do. And the incredible step of faith is simply saying, God, I can't do it, but you can. There's power in that. I mean, that'll set some people free this morning. Step three, we just simply repent. We just simply say, God, I want to turn from that. I don't want to go back to living that way, just existing, just walking day to day, kind of this half-hearted, God, I turn from sin. I turn from the acts of sin, Lord, but I also believe that you can cleanse my sin nature. I turn from that. And then, God, fill me with your life. I I turn from that, but now, God, fill me with your life, the life that you I turn from death. I don't want that anymore, but God, fill me with your life. And so this morning, some of us in this room, I mean, you, people have prayed for you. People have invited you. People's hearts have been broken because they know your journey. They know your pain. And do you know today you're sitting among some people that are real miracles, man? They're miracles, not because they're so great and so gifted, because they've experienced some real brokenness in their life but in the midst of it, real life is possible. Eternal life one day, oh man, that's awesome, that after this world is done and I breathe my last, man, I I have eternal life with Jesus. I love that, but you know what I love also? I love that I can have life today. I love that eternity can start now. Like I can experience that. It's not perfect, it's not easy, but life can start now. And do you know today you're sitting among some people, they have some real life today. It's only because of Jesus. Today, I'm just going to ask you, could you bow your heads with me, and I just want to pray for you. Some of you, again, you were invited here by somebody because they love you, and they care about your soul. They care about your life. They care about your future and your present, about your family, about your pain, about your past. And so I'm just going to ask, we're going to just dim the lights for a minute, and this is just about me. Now, not me. You, you get it. You. Like, this is our opportunity now to look into the mirror of our own lives and simply ask the question, am I, am I alive today? Or is my life filled with, with the shades of death, of destruction, of selfishness, of brokenness? Today, if you want life, if you want that, that path that God has for you, that Jesus already paved the way for, his death on a cross, his resurrection from the grave already made a path for you to walk in life. And so if you want that, I'm just going to ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed to just pray with me. You don't have to pray out loud. This is you looking in the mirror, right? This is between you and the Lord. But if that's you today, if that's your heart's cry, would you just begin praying those four steps with me? God, I can't do it today. I can't do it. On my own, I'm not enough. On my own, I'm not strong enough. I can't, Lord. I have failed. I've fallen short. I've let you down. I've let others down. God, I can't do it. But God, I believe you can. You can bring life. 
to this dead body. You can bring life and resurrection to this life of mine, to the brokenness and the stuff I've left in my wake, Lord. You can bring life, so God, you can do it. Today, Lord, I repent. I repent of my sin because, Jesus, you paid the price on the cross for my sin. So now I turn from sin and I ask you, God, to fill me with your life. I believe that there's eternal life today, a place prepared for me, that this life isn't all there is, and one day, Lord, I will get to be with you again forever. But until then, Lord, I want your life today, now, every day, every moment. Lord, I believe right now you can fill us with your life. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I believe around the room today, some of us are being set free from some stuff. I mean, I mean, some of us are just coming out from the burden of all the stuff. Man, we thought we had to do it. We thought we had to be good enough. We thought we had to, and now we realize, man, there's real life today because of the mercy and the grace of our Heavenly Father. We're going to bring the lights up for just a minute, and, and those response cards that are in front of you, some of you don't need to do anything on those, and that's okay. Thanks for just taking a minute to hold those in your hand. But for others today, maybe you made a decision today. Maybe something happened, and you're, you can't even totally explain it, but you believe God's been speaking to you, and you just want to take a moment to let us know that. We don't want you to let us know that so we can broadcast your name on the internet. We just want to pray with you and walk with you if you need that, if you want that. And so now, if you would take that response card out, and for some of us, there's a place to simply say, I, I have new life today. I have new life in Christ. Man, please take a moment. If you have new life in Christ today, would you please take a moment to let us know that, to just write your name and let us know whether for the first time or uh, recommitted your life today. Some of us today, we, we want to be baptized. Baptism is an outward symbol of what God's doing in our hearts. It's saying, I have new life in Christ and I want to be identified with Christ in my baptism. And so we have an opportunity here in a few weeks. Man, what a great celebration that would be of Easter for you. I'm not just talking to new believers now. Some of us have been sitting here a long time, and it's time. It's time that we move forward in being baptized. Others, maybe you have questions about our church. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe there's needs that you have. There's opportunities there to respond, but I would just ask you now to prayerfully consider how it is the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Thanks again for listening here today. If you enjoyed it and want to engage more, you can subscribe to this podcast through our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Or if you're a Spotify user like me, you can search for us there and subscribe directly there as well. If you happen to be anywhere in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road, Rockingham, Virginia. We meet each Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then again at 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you soon.